0: Hey, why don't you stand to your feet one more time. We're going to do that in honor of reading the Word, and then we'll I'll let you sit down for the rest of the morning. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read Genesis chapter 1. I know it might be a portion of Scripture that you might not think has anything to do with honor, but stick with me a little while, and, and we'll figure it out together. In the beginning, God created the heavens... In the midst of the waters And let it separate the waters from the waters And God made the expanse And separated the waters that were under the expanse From the waters that were above the expanse And it was so And God called the expanse heaven And there was evening and there was morning The second day And God said let the waters under the heavens Be gathered together into one place And let the dry land appear And it was so Together he called seas And God saw that it was good And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for the signs, for the seasons and for the days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give them light upon the earth. And so it was, and God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night in the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning on the fourth day and God said let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And so it was, God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to his kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds, over birds of the heavens and over the livestock, over the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to every, everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has to, the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that he, all that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you, God, that nothing you created was a mistake thank you, Lord, that we're part of that, and that your plan is working itself out exactly how you set it to be. Lord, we pray that you'd make us more like you because we were together today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to talk about honor. The definition of honor is to hold something in high respect or great esteem to regard with great respect. We just read the creation story. Some of you may be familiar with that, but God created everything. It's neat when you read it. Uh, God didn't create things like we create things. God created things the way only God can create things. God, God didn't get anybody else's opinion. God didn't have a committee of people to approve the creation. Matter of fact, if you fast forward to John's gospel, it says, By him all things were created, and nothing without him nothing was created. There was, there was nothing there before God. It was just God. And so God, in and of himself, without any help, without any input, without anybody critiquing it or criticizing it, without anybody wondering whether it was the best or not the best, God himself did it the way he wanted to do it. And everything he created was it created exactly the way he wanted to create it. Could you imagine that? He said, let there be light. And it was exactly the way he wanted it. The, way, the reason we know this is because after everything he created, he steps back and he says, it was good. My friend Terry King brought that to my attention a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about a sermon uh, through Zoom. And he said, we're talking about being able to appreciate things. He said, Chris, if you, look at the, if you look at the creation story, God steps back after every day and said, it was good. He didn't step back and go, Wow, well, I wonder if I could have done a little better. No, he created the stars in the heaven exactly the way he wanted them to line up. He created the sun and the moon to operate exactly how he wanted to. he created the timeline the 24 hour thing that we figured out later he created he created every orbit everything that you now take for granted when you look up in the sky out of the out of the emptiness of the expanse but the completeness of God it appeared Think about that he didn't need any raw materials he didn't need he didn't need any extra help he just he just said it and it happened And then he started creating creepy things. Creeping things, sorry. Maybe they're one and the same. Then he started creating the things in the oceans and the things in the heavens. And I'll be honest with you, I I thought about this. If I'd have showed up like on the, whatever it was, the fourth or fifth day when there was only birds, I'd have been like, dude, I'm out. Birds are dirty. I can't be in a place where it's just birds. starts creating animals and fish and exactly the way he wanted it and then then at the end of the creation process God changes his tune he doesn't say he's just creating things he now says in his image he's going to create something aren't you glad God didn't create a snake or a rat and say in my image Amen. He changes what his he changes the process. Everything else was separate from what he was getting ready to create. There was a there was a there was a distinct shift in his in his mindset of of this is all good, but now I'm getting ready to do something. He prefaces it by. In his image, so so you and I are in the likeness of God. Come on, just put your head up a little higher like this. Put your shoulders back. Everybody in the church, come on, Berkeley Springs, put your shoulders back a little bit like this. And say, I know I didn't take the trash out yesterday, but I'm made in the image of God. <laughs> the house might be dirty, but I'm made in the image of God. Come on, put... We forget that. That in the beginning, God created exactly what he wanted. Now, I need you to understand. Now, now sometimes you may struggle with the will of God trying to figure out exactly what God wants and, and how it works out and all that stuff in your life. But listen, when you go back to Genesis, there wasn't any figuring it out. It was exactly the way he wanted it. There wasn't any free will for somebody to do something different. In Genesis, in his image, he made Man and woman. Exactly the way he wanted us to be. Exactly the way he wanted us to look. Everything about you is exactly the way God made you to be. Some of you are like, with this nose? Yeah. Yeah. With these feet? Yeah. He also made shoes, though. You don't forget that. Freaking people out. So the the thing is, is if you know the creation story, you know know at some point in time after Adam and Eve were created, put in the perfect environment, that they did fall. They did fail. But then we find out from the foundations of the earth, God had set in motion a plan for their salvation. He wasn't going to let the thing he created not be able to be in his presence. Oh, wouldn't that be awful? So you get right after the fall, you get the foreshadowing of Jesus coming to the earth. The fancy word for that is a proto-evangelium. When when God says, this is how it's going to happen. And he foreshadows all the way to Jesus coming. You say, "What's that got to do with honor? What's that got to do with honor?" We believe that the fingerprint of God is on everybody. If humankind is created in the image of God, then it's hard to deny that you were created in God's image. That's like all of my kids. My whole family is 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 fair-skinned, blonde hair, and and if and people bump into my kids and they go, "Are are are you a Jones?" Yep, can't deny that. And when me and my son come are in the same place, they say, "Well, you can't deny your can't deny being your dad." And so I don't know if they like that or not. It's just what it is. Anybody else have kids like that? Look just like your guts. So the deal is, is that we can't deny being made in His image. It's, it's, it's what gives us value. It's what, it's who we are. It's, it's like saying, well, I'm not part of that. No, no, you have the fingerprint of God on your life by default because we are made in the image of God. So what that tells me is, is that if God made you in his image, if he, if he did all that, if he went to great lengths to make sure we were who, we were designed the way we were designed and functioned the way we functioned, all that stuff. And then went to even greater lengths to make sure he redeemed us, to make sure he sent Jesus to die for us, to make sure to make sure that you and I would not, would not in, inherit death but eternal life. If he went to great lengths to do that, then guess what? Then the value of your life has already been determined. You've heard the saying, haven't you, about like, well, what's something worth? It's worth whatever somebody will pay for it. And so so we we have an, we have an economy, and then there's microeconomies, like there's the Hedgesville economy. Yeah, it's thriving. There's the Berkeley Springs economy. There's a you know you got these little economies and and, and what's worth What's something worth in this economy might be different than what it's worth in another place? Like a gallon of gas here may be 270, 280. In another country, a gallon a gallon of gas might be five, six, seven dollars. But you bring that five dollar gas to Hedgesville, you're gonna get run out of town. Amen? Just tell them to keep it in Martinsburg. Because Because it's worth what it is here. It's worth whatever we'll pay for it. The problem is human life doesn't, doesn't run by that same economy. Because we don't get to set the price. We don't get to set the value of a human life. We don't get to determine just because somebody disagrees with us that they're worth less than somebody that does agree with us. We don't get to determine because somebody comes from a certain area that they're worth less than somebody that comes from another area. We don't get to determine that because God himself already determined that. So it's funny how how people that come after the creator then tell the creator how much what he created is worth. But that's what we do. So, in the culture of honor that we that we strive to create here, we have to realize that God Himself already set the value of human life, and the value of human life was the life of Christ Himself. It wasn't fifty dollars. It was. That God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So when Jesus, what we talked about last week, when Jesus said, hey, I've got to go to the cross. I've got to suffer at the hands of the chief priests and teachers of the law. I've got to suffer and go to the cross and die and then resurrect. He said, "I." he was telling them, this is how much it's worth. This is how much your life's worth. This is how much it's the life that you don't, that the jet, 2,000 years later, that's how much it's worth. That life, every life that has ever walked the planet, he, God said, that's how much it's worth. So we don't get to set the value. Now, doesn't that irritate you? Can we just be honest just between us? not that irritate you a little bit? Wouldn't it be great to be in the Old Testament? Except for the, you know, killing and all that. But, we, it was cool to pray in the Old Testament, kill my enemies. That'd be so great. That's like a refreshing prayer. Isn't it? Think about it. I'm right, they're wrong. God, now my prayer is annihilate them. Just give you the warm and fuzzies. Like, they're not worth what I'm worth. So now take them off the planet. The trouble is, when Jesus came to earth, he set the value on everyone. So now in the New Testament, you don't hear the disciples going, kill them all! And this will be a lot easier for us. You don't hear that. Matter of fact, matter of fact, Peter writes in his second letter, he writes this in chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that What was that? That's a little three-letter word. Any. How many do you think that is? Any? Who is included in that? When, we, when you say any, do you really mean any? He says he would that none would perish, but that oh, there's another three letter word, but it's a little different. How many do you think all includes? Ah. The Old Testament was so much better because there was a group of people that I could pray God would kill. And it was so refreshing. Vengeance is yours, Lord. Now disperse it with great generosity. And then God said, any and all. Any and all. Any and all. The trouble is, The trouble is that that you're sinful and I'm sinful and we we get we get our wires mixed up and we start thinking we start thinking not grace. We start thinking not like God. We start thinking not that people aren't worth what they're worth. And we start praying things like, Lord, you can't let them do that to me. Lord, they can't get away with that. Lord, you, you can't let that go unnoticed. Lord, you can't. And we get frustrated with God. But, but Peter writes to us that God is not, God is not slow to act like you would think he's just not listening to you. No, Peter writes that he's slow on purpose because the same people that you wish you were in the Old Testament so he would kill, he's praying, come to know him. That complicates my life. Because it feels good to devalue some people. Don't leave me up here say amen. amen. Come on. It's part of the sin nature in us. The act of comparison, the act of the act of belittling, the act of Making sure that we feel worth more than certain segments of society, certain countries, certain people that believe certain things, certain people that act in a certain way, it makes us feel better to feel worth more. And it confuses us to think we're worth the same. Jesus dying on the cross paid the same price for everybody that takes a breath. Peter writes, He's not slow to hear your prayer in the way that you think he might be slow like ignoring you. He said he's slow because he's, pr- he's trying with everything. The Holy Spirit is moving that the person that we can't stand would have an opportunity to come to know him. Ah! That changes things. That means some of my prayers are pointless. That means some of my prayers could actually be actually worthless prayers because how could I pray at the same time that God have vengeance on somebody when at the same time he's saying, no, 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 Jesus died for them. And so I'm saying, yeah, but they're not worth what I'm worth. Come on, I put a sweater on for church. It keeps reminding us over and over and over, you didn't create it. You can't put the value on it. You didn't create it. You can't put the value on it. And so, so then you realize all through the New Testament, he's saying honor, 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 honor. Hold people in, in high respect and high regard. Hold, hold people, give, give them the same value that I'm putting on them. Do it over and over and over again. Value people. Value people. Now, I, I think there's a process that has to happen before we can do that because i'll be honest with you there's enough sin in me to make it a little difficult to do that at times anybody else here's why the greatest commandment is the greatest commandment anybody know what the greatest commandment is oh wow love the lord your god i'm gonna paraphrase it with everything you have jesus actually tells some people that he says the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then the second one is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says all the law and the prophets are, are, are basically completed with these two things. Because if you love God with everything you have, you're not going to have an idol. You're not going to have any other gods before Him. You're, you're not going to do all, some of the other commandments. You're not going to break them. And then if you love people, if out of your love from God... Allows you to love people like you love yourself. And oh, don't we love ourselves. Then you'd be less apt to kill them. Less apt to have an affair. That's another one. Less apt to steal their car. That's another one. You'd be less likely to be envious of them because if you really loved them, you'd be cheering. When they're successful, not envious. So he says all the law and the prophets are kind of wrapped up in these two things. Love God with everything you have and then love people like you love yourself. That's where it all starts. That's where honor starts. You say, well, how does honor start there? Because what you honor first determines what you honor second. And I'm telling you right now, if you want to figure out why there is no honor in our world today, it's because we don't honor God first. You can't manufacture it in a sinful environment. You can't just conjure up enough respect for somebody to honor them consistently, especially if they start to disagree with you. Oh boy, didn't we find that out last year? Woo! Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Republican Democrat. Ah! All I know is there's always one side going to hell. No matter which side you're on, the other side's going to hell. Am I right? I am right. So the issue is this. Honoring God first caused me to be less like me. Oh, let let me say it this way. Um, We're in a marriage counseling uh, class on Sunday afternoons. It's a connect group. That's what they described it as. But it's marriage counseling. <laughs> I encourage you to sign up for it next time it's open. It fills up quick. That's a sign. <laughs> so last week in our in our marriage counseling slash connect group, we, um, we found out that there was, some, there was a whole list of things that this guy said... That as you're, as you're married, you should find common, uh, what, what, what did he call them, activities? Yeah, you should be able to find common activities that you like to do together. And so uh, we started kind of digging into it a little bit. And the guy gave a list of, I don't know, we think it was on there hundred, maybe a hundred things that, ideas that couples could do together. Well, I glanced over the list, and I thought, "I hope he's got more." <laughs> we're not going to play badminton. We're not going to watch badminton. <laughs> so uh, we were going through the list, and it made me think about um, made me think about a couple things because uh, we we'll be married 25 years today. So or this year, 25 years this year in August. And, and, I, and I thought, well, maybe when you're married 40 years, there's things you'll like to do together. But here, here's what I realized. That the longer I'm with my wife, the more I love my wife, the more I, I end up valuing what she values. I said it. So, I can't believe I'm getting ready to say this. So, if she likes to go shopping for a day, I I think we did that. Well, it hasn't taken totally hold yet. Um, Like, I want, because I love her. If she wants to do something because I love her, come on, say amen, you're following me? You're following me? I will then do what she likes to do and not be irritated by it or on my phone the whole time or come back and tell the kids, leave me alone. I need some space. Now the inverse should be true too. Come on. Amen. This ain't a man bashing ceremony. The inverse should be true. The longer she's married to me, the more she should want to come out to the barn and turn wrenches on cars. It's exciting. If that's true in marriage, how much more is that true with our relationship with God? That the longer you experience the grace of God in your life, the longer you experience the mercy of God in your life, the longer you experience the unconditional love God pouring out in your life, the more we end up valuing what he values. And so that's why if all the law and the prophets are going to hinge on these two things, the first one has to be that we honor him first. That we love him first because how are you going to honor something he made in his image if you don't honor the image maker? How can you ever hope to treat everybody with the same value if we don't value the one who put the value on everybody? How could we ever think about saying, hey, listen, you know what? I think you're, I think everybody is worth it, but I don't know about this. God thing. No, no, no. He's the one that told us everybody was worth it. He's the one that died to make everybody worth it. And so when it says every or any and all, that's not that's not a debatable thing for us. The creation can't look back at the creator and tell him half of his creation isn't worth it anymore. So that's why he puts love the Lord your God first. Because we have to love the one, we have to, the more we love him, the more we'll value what he created. And I think we can all agree we live in a society that is devaluing the life that God breathed into us at birth all the way up to the end, we have devalued the whole thing. When people disagree with us, we devalue it. When people do, when people do criminal acts, we devalue it. I'm not saying people shouldn't get in trouble. I'm saying God died for the criminal. Amen. Amen? Amen? You're helping me out again, just me and you, every Sunday. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Everything we're commanded to do after this is reliant on the prerequisite attitude of honor towards God. That we have to be connected to him, John 15. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me tell you something. You cannot value people the way God intended for us to value them until we value God. It's not going to happen. So we're called to honor honor God and love your neighbor. Romans 12.10 says this, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Come on, the band's going to come up. We're now able to love and honor each other in times where it doesn't feel comfortable because God loved us and we love God. So let me give you a couple examples in the Bible. The, good, the story of the Good Samaritan where there's a guy, there's a Jewish guy just down the side of the road and everybody's all beat up and, and they robbed him and everybody's walking by him except a guy who fundamentally disagrees with him and they've had, not personally, but cultural differences. And the guy just stops and takes care of him. Not because the Jew deserved it and the Samaritan just thought, well, he deserves it. But because he valued life. When Jesus healed the leper. He was going against all cultural norms to touch him. The woman at the well. Jesus stops to talk to her. He confused her so much she even asks, do you realize? How is it that you're talking to me right now? The prodigal son. The father would walk out. The Bible says "And look for him. Walk out to the road, look for him, anticipating his return. It's it's an image of Jesus wanting that no one would perish. Just waiting on the day the son would come back the common thread through every single one of these stories is there's no indication that the person receiving the grace actually deserved it other than God holding them in high esteem saying I'm the one that put the value on this relationship I'm the one that gets to determine whether you deserve it or not not cultural norms not whether you're upset with anybody or not not whether you've had a feud but God himself gets to decide if he talks to the woman at the well God himself gets to decide the guy gets healed. Aren't you thankful that it's not the people that walk by you? Amen? Aren't you thankful it's not the people that criticize you get the, that get to determine your value? Aren't you thankful that it's God? So I need, I need to leave you with this. Stand to your feet. I've the first service. I'm going to get in trouble right here. Mm. Don't send me any emails. I will not answer. We live in a culture that values everything else God created above the thing he created in his own image. I'm going to repeat that. We live in a culture that values everything else God created above the thing that he created in his own image. We will throw people away to save the earth. We will discard people Don't send me any emails about, well, you hate the plant. No, no, no. I want clean air and clean water. I ain't trying to get lung cancer. But he didn't create the earth in his image. And the Bible says, heaven and earth will pass away. We're the only ones that get eternal life. Amen? We will discard people over creepy, crawly things the things on the earth, the things, the animals he created. We will discard people over animals. Oh, you don't like cats? I'm done with you. Last time I checked, the cat was not in the image of God. (laughs) Thank you very much. Woo! I don't think I could have been a pastor if a cat was made in the image of God. I'd be like, I'm out. But if you look around this room, if you turn the news on, You search the internet for different people. We're all worth the same. Whether they look like you, talk like you, think like you, act like you, whether they met Jesus or not, we are all worth the same amount. And Paul writes to us in Romans and he says, listen, you honor people above yourself. You hold people in high esteem. You lift them up. And if there's ever a way to introduce somebody to Jesus, it's making sure they know they were worth Him dying. Not cutting them down and telling them they were a sinner and going to hell, but saying, hey listen, the God of all creation, the Bible says that without Him nothing was created, died on the cross for you, and you're worth more than that. You're worth more than what any anybody else has labeled you. You're worth as much as God was willing to spend on you, and that was Jesus. And so you can know him today. Amen? And so we need to encourage people that think different, that act different, that, that we can't figure out to save our lives. Hey, you are worth it. And let them know that God died for them. Amen? Because he's the only one that cares for them sometimes. And we need to make sure